0: welcome back to another episode of football Chance and rants with the plants with me Lauren and me Graham and we are dad and daughter reflecting on another busy week across the top five English football divisions now we're over halfway in the leagues at the moment and it's all looking pretty open especially some of the lower leagues which we'll be talking about as well and we're going to also have some rants and raves and some barnets of the week in between all of that. So I'll start off by rounding up the Premier League. Obviously, it's hard not to mention the fact that Man City have got another win on the bounce versus West Ham. It was 2-1, a really good match actually, and West Ham did play really well. Um, That's 20 wins now in a row in all competitions for Manchester City, breaking all the records. Quite unlikely goal scorers in their centre-backs, Ruben Diaz and John Stones. And quite interestingly, on average, Guardiola has been making five substitutions per match which, as I was saying all the pundits, just shows the depth of squad that City have got at the moment, not even having to rely on someone like Aguero. The goals can come from anywhere in the team, just showing how they're on such an amazing run at the moment. And like I said, obviously West Ham have played really well and they definitely show why they are in those Champions League slots. Do you reckon, obviously they've had an amazing season so far, West Ham. Are they going to keep it up? Do you reckon they can get in the Europa League, Champions League potentially?
1: Yes, definitely.
0: Really? Okay. Also, um, just showing what a fantastic job that David Moyes has done. And a really weird match in general, West Brom versus Brighton. It turns out just the 11th minute goal from Carl Bartley was enough for the baggies. And since that goal, there was just drama everywhere across the pitch, really. There was two missed penalties from Brighton, one hitting the crossbar and one hitting the side. Which do you think was a better penalty, Gross or Danny Welbeck? Even though they both missed, but which do you think was a better penalty?
1: Welbeck kept it, at least he kept it low. I mean, uh, I think Gross just leant back and that was poor.
0: Um, And they also had a goal disallowed. Not going to talk too much about it, but we kind of looked back at it and matched the day and what have you with the ref and the wall. And where do you stand on it? Should he have let him? Should the goal have stood?
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm sure it should. It was all a bit weird, really. He seemed to get in a bit of a muddle and. I mean, thank goodness the, f- the ground wasn't full because it would have been uh, oh my word. very strange.
0: Yeah, so West Brom are undefeated in three league games, still nine points off Newcastle and Brighton, but Brighton have gone four games without a win now. So Brighton and Newcastle still very much can be dragged down into those bottom three places. And then on Sunday, it was a really important match for Fulham at Selhurst Park and they failed to capitalise and try and get three points. It was a nil-nil draw in the end there. And then a really entertaining match, Leicester versus Arsenal. Arsenal winning 3-1. And Arsenal played some really good football. But the main headlines are obviously going to be the fact that Leicester have had more injuries going into the match. Madison has obviously been injured. And then within the match Harvey Barnes got injured. Johnny Evans had to go off. So, unfortunately for Brendan Rodgers, the number of people injured just keeps going up and up at Leicester at the moment, most likely as a side effect of the many matches all the players are having to play at the moment. Burnley are another team that have been struggling with injuries and they struggled again on Sunday, losing 4-0 away at Spurs. And they really didn't put on a great performance, but you've obviously got to praise Tottenham for capitalising... Um what was quite a lazy and lethargic looking Burnley side. Bale seems to be really coming into form. He got two goals in the match and an assist, so was really influential on that 4-0 result and great for Marino to see Kane and Moira also picking up some goals. What was probably slightly most underwhelming match of the weekend, Chelsea versus Man United, um, not quite the goal scoring A high goal scoring tally that I was hoping for but both teams seemed to tactically match up really well with each other and it was a fair result but for me as a outsider it would have been nice to seen a few more goals Um, and then Liverpool finally getting a win away against Sheffield United 2-0 certainly wasn't a walk over Sheffield United like they have done all season putting up a fight but Liverpool managing to come on top with that one so then looking at the table you got in top ...remains Man City, 62 points... ...now 12 points clear of Man United in second... ...who have got less than just one point off them in third... ...West Ham remain in fourth position, four points off Leicester... ...and then Chelsea fitting in fifth, point behind West Ham... ...Liverpool two points from those Champions League slots... ...so they're one point behind Chelsea... And then obviously worth noting, you've got Spurs in 8th and 39 points and Arsenal in 10th, two points behind. But they have played an extra game than Spurs. So that's my roundup from the Premier League.
1: Championship, Swansea versus Bristol City. Bristol popped across the bridge and second match for Nigel Pearson. Swansea scored first, uh, IU. Uh, but Bristol City came back and won 3-1. Casey Palmer scored against his former club to make it 2-1. Uh, it was only Swansea's second home defeat of the season, and the first time they've lost this season after going in front. So a brilliant win for Bristol City. Nigel Pearson, two games, two wins. Swansea had 70% possession, but Bristol City came out easy winners in the end. Swansea's still fourth, still got games in hand, but they lost two of the last three, so need to get going again really. Uh, but they're still up there in the in the leading pack. And Bristol City, in 11th position, seven points off the playoffs, and um, after a shocking run, you didn't have any chance of them getting in the playoffs. But Nigel Pearson's got a track record, of course. I'm sure that uh, Leicester City wouldn't necessarily have been in the Premier League, never mind won it, the season before he kept them up, literally. They were dead and buried, he kept them up, and then Ranieri won the title for them. So Nigel Pearson does the job. Not everybody's cup of tea, but he's certainly doing a brilliant job at Bristol City, seems to fit really well. And uh,
0: Sorry, is that his first job since Watford?
1: Uh, yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay, yeah. So yeah, so well done, Nigel Pearson, two games, two wins. And then another one, Luton versus Sheffield Wednesday, big game for Sheffield Wednesday, trying to get uh, out of the bottom three. Brilliant start, Josh Windus got two goals, so they were 2-0 up at half-time, looking Brilliant half-time team talk Uh, Luke manager Nathan Jones made a triple substitution uh, and they came back from 2-0 down to win 3-2 the winner from Elijah Adebayo Sheffield Wednesday of course still no manager Uh, lost the last four in the league 23.6 points adrift and Birmingham won 2-1 at home to QPR so uh, tough times for Sheffield Wednesday need to get a manager in place I guess and start to win some matches Luton 14th, nothing spectacular going to happen for them this season, but another solid season for Luton. And they'll be pleased with that, I guess. And finally, just a quick one. It was the 108th East Midlands derby on Friday night. Uh, predictable 1-1 draw. Colin Kazim-Richards equalising the 84th minute. Derby 17th, Forest 14th, both going to survive. Both fairly solid. So, uh, yeah, but a good, uh, a good East Midlands, feisty East Midlands derby. 1-1 on Friday night.
0: Wayne Rooney done a good job at Derby so far.
1: Yeah, he seems to be uh, settled in. He'll keep them up. It wasn't wasn't certain that he would do that. So they seem to be uh, responding to his tactics and stuff, so yeah, he's doing all right. Right, time
0: for a rant. So my rant this week is basically just I'm not a Brighton fan, but if I was, their form in front of goal would be very, very worrying. And it still is worrying. They still could get dragged into it. So I was looking at the stats and Neil Mopé is their top goal scorer with seven goals, which, I mean, sounds okay. It's not brilliant for a, a prolific, supposedly prolific goal scorer. But four of those goals that he scored came in their first four matches. So since then, in 20 league games, he's only got three goals in those 20 games that he's played. And the last three games that Brighton have played, big matches obviously West Brom, Palace, and Villa, they've had 66 shots across all three matches, which is decent. Only 20 on target and just two goals to show for it. So I think it's been, you know, well publicised the fact they've been struggling all season so far. Were you surprised in January that they didn't go for anyone? Because coming think Fit West Brom, Fulham, Palace, they've all got people in on loan forwards that have actually got goals in their first couple of games. Would you, were you surprised? Uh,
1: yeah, I thought they would have definitely strengthened the front line, but uh, I think they will struggle, definitely.
0: If they do stay up, which kind of forwards, if they go within the English divisions, any forwards that would stand out as potential uh, for Brighton to sign?
1: Oh, You've got your Brentford and Blackburn, your Tony and Armstrong. Yeah, I think the Championship's got two or three uh, good strikers that might have a go.
0: Yeah, that's my rant, really. What about you?
1: Uh, mine's, a well, I'm not overly educated in this, but this this is the European or the Champions League where teams are playing in neutral territory as such, so Liverpool playing Leipzig from Germany and Budapest in yeah, Hungary. Yeah. And I guess I'm, I understand it's absolutely essential, but Leipzig's home match being in a neutral country and then coming back to Anfield for the second leg and with all the fixture chaos and yeah. overload, why not just play in a neutral Ground and just have the one match. I don't know what the, you know, getting, you know, your away goals counting double when you're playing in a neutral country. Yeah. Just <laughs> seems a bit strange. So just, I mean, they're all, I'm sure they'd be pleased just have a one off match, get it sorted, get it played and uh, get home on the plane.
0: you think no to two legs then?
1: Yeah, for the moment, whilst such a fixture overload, just play one legged matches with, uh, on a neutral territory. <laughs>
0: Right, so we're now going to round up League One and it seems to be very open, actually, top and the bottom of the table, particularly the bottom, which I'll be talking about in a second. But going to the top, you had Peterborough versus Wigan and it was 2-1 to Peterborough. Match really just based off the second half. There was a lot of drama. There was a 72nd goal from Wigan's Asgard. But then Peterborough, they managed their top scorer, Johnson, Clark, Harris got an 82nd and then an 85th minute penalty to win the match and extend Peterborough's run now to five wins on the bounce. So they're now top of the table, four points clear, and Wigan are sitting second from bottom. So that would have been a really demoralising loss, really, for Wigan, having led from the 76th minute and getting that goal and um, conceding two within five minutes would have been chaotic, really. And then you have Plymouth Argyle versus Lincoln City. An action-packed encounter at home park, seven goals, and it saw a 91st-minute winner from skipper Joe Edwards for Plymouth Argyle to seal the victory 4-3. First, uh, sorry, One win now in the last five league games for Lincoln, so they dropped down to second. Not great form considering they're in second at the moment. Plymouth keep their playoff dreams alive. They're moving up to 10th. Four points off those playoff places. Again, you've got to look at the the gains played. There's a couple of teams around them that have got a couple of matches in hand on them. But overall, a really good result for Plymouth. And then the other end of the table, you had Rochdale versus Burton Albion. Almost a six-pointer, really, looking at it. And two teams obviously right down there fighting for survival. It was goals from Hemmings and Atkins led uh, Burton to -to back-to-back wins and that's four wins now in their last five league games. So it's a 2-0 away win at Rochdale. A fantastic resurgence that we've seen under Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank from Burton. Um, They're now joint on points with Rochdale, but they've got two games in hand. And Rochdale have now not won in their last six league games. So not looking great for Rochdale. And then finally, you have Bristol Rovers versus Shrewsbury Town. Joey Barton secured his first three points as Bristol Rovers' boss. Shrewsbury were coming into the match undefeated in four matches, but Bristol Rovers now moved two points clear of Burton Album in the relegation spots. So only five points gap in the table, actually, in League One between Swindon, who are in 18th, and Northampton Town, who are in bottom, 26 points. There's a real group of teams there that are all struggling, really, to get out of the relegation zone. Quite a busy week for Bristol as a football club then. So Bristol City have had a change in hand and Bristol Rovers have had a change in manager. So Joey Barton... Coming off, was it Fleetwood, his last team that he's managed? So yes, yeah, so that's Joey Barton in the, for Bristol Rovers. But overall, a really good result and that's round up from League One.
1: So League Two, you had Walsall versus Bradford City. Bradford City kept their good run going, the fourth straight victory. Where Sutton and Cook scored the winning goals, the four points off the playoffs, which if you've listened the last few weeks to this, they keep. You know, they were in a relegation battle. Appointed joint managers, uh, Mark Truman and Connor Sellers. And since then, they've had a brilliant run, to be fair. Walsall only won one in ten now. They're down to 17th. Going to get dragged into a bit of a struggle at the bottom if they're not careful. Uh, It's interesting. So Mark Truman, he's a 34-year-old. Only really played non-league football. Nothing too spectacular. Connor Sellers the same. Started a bit of football in Portugal, then mostly non-league. He's 29. Truman's 34, young couple of young lads and uh, seem to have turned Bradford around, so that's really interesting, actually. So, um, great win for them. Carlisle versus Oldham. Carlisle, a team that uh, I'm pretty sure Carlisle were top, briefly. Looking strong promotion contenders. 1-0 up at half-time against Oldham. But, yeah, three goals in the last 20 minutes for Oldham. Uh, saw them win 3-1 at Carlisle, having been 1-0 down. Carlisle's fourth defeat in five matches. Uh, An Oldham three-game, they'd, they'd had a 3 Game winless run, so a good win for them. Carlisle down to 10th now, four points off the playoffs with a game in hand, but uh, as I said, they were uh, looking pretty strong for automatic promotion. Oldham still 15th, but uh, had some great wins across the season. Harry Kuehl, 42 years old. Uh, I think he's got a bright future. played, of course, for Leeds, Liverpool, Galatasaray. In fact, he might have played with Jimmy Floyd at Leeds, possibly. Okay, uh, Very creative left-wing or left midfield, perhaps. Uh, managed Australia for six years, Australian lad obviously. Uh, in the UK, he's managed Crawley, Notts County, and now Oldham. And yeah, probably one to watch actually, Harry Cure. It'd be great to see him do well, same as Jimmy Floyd. And then you've got uh, just dropping down into the National League, uh, Wrexham versus Wealdstone. Wealdstone struggling a bit at the bottom. They were 1 0 up at half time though, but Wrexham came out and got four in the second half despite having Vassal sent off. So Wrexham end up fifth. Uh, you wonder if uh, the the famous owners, new owners of Wrexham, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McKelley or something like that, mm-hmm. whether they've had a big influence. They might have done because, well, I don't know if they did this at half-time or not, but they've said to the uh, Wrexham squad, we'll give you a quarter of a million pounds to share if you win promotion. So maybe they told them at half-time because they came from 1-0 down to mm-hmm. win 4-1. So yeah, so Wrexham, what's this space? A uh, big load of cash on the table from the Hollywood big people mm-hmm. if they can get promotion to League Two.
0: Right, time for a rave. Um, Go on then, what's your rave this week?
1: Uh, My rave is um, not everybody's cup of tea, but David Moyes, and I think you touched on it before. So, um, I mean, as a manager, he's managed Preston successfully as his starting point. Everton, quite a few successful years at Everton. Never quite got them into the top four or five, but was always, you know, sort of top half and doing well. Got the chance for United, didn't work really. Real Sociedad, Sunderland, a couple of times at West Ham. But really this time he seems to have found his place, found his team. They seem to be working really well for him, seems to have a calm head. Just seems to fit actually. I think there is probably potentially something around West Ham. Might be one of those teams that benefit from not having fans in. In some respects they are quite a challenging and demanding bunch of fans. Yeah, yeah. But even so, well done to David Moyes. It's a a rave about somebody who's uh, having a really good season and really doing well at West Ham. Do
0: you reckon people wrote him off after Man United and thought if he can't handle big club, he might just be a championship manager from then on?
1: Uh, possibly, yeah. I think he's, he's he's had a bit of a mixed career, really, as a manager. Mm-hmm. But um, up and well. down, like I say, he's certainly doing well now, definitely.
0: Well, from one manager to another, my rave this week is going to Pep Guardiola because there's been a lot in the press about the fact he's been wearing his open arms hoodie on the sideline this week and a lot of people wondering why and things like that and the the meaning behind it he's promoting the humanitarian charity open arms which is an organization that received Guardiola's financial boost in 2018 so he offered around £130,000 of his own money to help fix a rescue boat which patrols the Mediterranean where thousands of refugees risk their lives crossing the seas every year. So it's just a very potent time, I think, to be wearing the jump. Obviously, he gave them that financial backing a couple of years ago, but going off the success that Man City have got at the moment, he literally has got most of the sporting world looking at him at the moment and millions of people following this fantastic run that City are on. So I think it's, it's a special time for him to be wearing a hoodie like that and I mentioned Nuno Santo last um week and the funding that he's put of his own money into Wolverhampton community and I just think it's really good to see managers just stepping up and setting a really good example for obviously the players but obviously for football in general. Yes, yeah, so I thought that was a really good cause and good to see him getting money out of his own back pocket as well.
1: I guess it's a shame that they don't get it doesn't become more public and they have to go looking for the yeah, information as to why what you know, this should be saying I'm much the same, you know, yeah. well done, Pep, but they don't seem to.
0: No, that's true, actually. It was only the commentators as well that mentioned things like that from time to time. So, yeah, that's true. We, they should maybe publicise it a little bit more rather than having to scout around on the internet as to why he's wearing a hoodie. <laughs>
1: Barn of the
0: Week. So I've gone for, I didn't realise it was Dutch actually, 25-year-old from Aston Villa, got the winner against Leeds, Amwar El Ghazi, there was a moment where the camera zoomed in on him to get him to be ma- uh, man of the match and he just seemed to particularly getting quite fussy about his barnet. He'd obviously just run around for 90 minutes and wanted to make it look super slick. And I mean, it was a good 10 seconds that he spent trying to brush his hair with his hands to one side. So he's getting my barnet because he's paying a lot of attention to it. He's been very careful with it and he's obviously carrying a lot what it says. It's a bit of a short back and sides job with maybe maybe some hair product on there to keep it nice and slick back. But he seems to be taking good care of his barnet, so um, got to be El Ghazi for me, yeah. Uh
1: Well, I've gone for uh, Mbaye Diagni. Hopefully that's the right pronunciation. <laughs> this 29-year-old Senegalese international on loan at West Brom from uh, Turkish team Galatasaray. Mm-hmm. And fair play to him in homage to his new club, West Bromwich Albion. He dyed his hair blue. So uh, there he is with his blue hair, doing his very best to help West Brom stay in the Premier League so well done Mbaye Diagni
0: I was thinking though it must actually be quite an advantage having blue hair because if you're I don't know a wing back getting the ball in the box it's quite easy to spot where he is do you reckon?
1: Unfair mm. advantage
0: Maybe <laughs> Uh, ones to watch this week so there's still loads of midweek matches pretty much this whole season it feels like they're midweek matches so for the Premier League I've gone for Thursday night West Brom versus Everton 6pm I just think the way that West Brom are playing all those matches when they're down at the bottom of the table becoming really important so a home match potentially you might see Allardyce managing to get a draw out of that one and frustrating Everton And then 8.15pm on Thursday night as well. The big match, obviously, Liverpool versus Chelsea. Liverpool have actually won all their last four Premier League meetings. So that was back to back the last two seasons that they played against each other. So with the form that Liverpool are in at the moment, you can definitely see or fancy Chelsea to get something out of that match.
1: Championship, so you've got top two clashing in midweek. First versus second, Norwich Brentford. That'll be a big one. And then you've also got a um, big match down the bottom, which is the Yorkshire Derby. Sheffield Wednesday versus Rotherham, 22nd and 23rd. So that's going to be a huge match midweek. And then at the weekend, Swansea, Middlesbrough, Middlesbrough. Neil Warnock's team, ninth and sort of keep knocking on the door of playoffs. And then Swansea fourth, I uh, said before, they need to get winning again.
0: Uh, League One wants to watch midweek Tuesday, both matches at 7pm. Well, both these teams are going in the playoff places at the moment, and that's Doncaster Rovers versus Portsmouth. Doncaster really struggling at the moment. They've lost four out of their last five matches, so they're still just about in those playoff places, but could do with some points. And Portsmouth having an up and down one recently, but they're still five points off Lincoln in second. And then down right down at the bottom of the table, Burton Albion versus Bristol Rovers. I think this one will be really interesting. Two points between the teams and the table, and both, like I said earlier, doing well under new management, obviously Jimmy Floyd, Hasselbank, and Joey Barton. So I think that would be a really good one to watch.
1: And then in League 2, you've got a local derby, Northwest local derby, Greater Manchester derby, is it? I don't know. Oldham versus Bolton, Boundary Park. That should be an uh, interesting match. They say Oldham in and out of good form under Harry Kuhl and uh, Ian Ever at Bolton. Uh, managed to get a very, very, very late winner against Barrow on Saturday, uh, which actually gets them into the playoff places now, which you would never have guessed. So uh, that's a big match midweek. And then Saturday, you've got Grimsby, who are rock bottom playing, Forest Green, who are second. They're one point, I thought he would be two games in hand, so uh, you'd expect Forest Green to win, but uh, we shall see. And then uh, finally, Wrexham, All that money on the table there, off to Sutton, who was second. And Sutton, four points off, leaders, Torquay, but they've got three games in hand, so Sutton will be uh, really looking for a win. That'll be a good match, actually, Sutton versus Wrexham.
0: Right, that's it for this week. Obviously, we've got another busy, jam-packed footballing schedule with all these midweek matches, but we'll be back with some more football chants and rants with the plants next week, and we'll see you then.